Welcome to Nurse Practitioners Changing Practice. I'm Carol Berger. Hi, I'm Nina Zimmerman. And we are so happy to have Dr. Kern with us today. Welcome, Dr. Kern. Hello. Hi, thanks for being here, Joanne. Thank you for inviting me. So, so Dr. Kern, you had like 20 plus years experience as an NP, right? Um, 40 years. But I look incredibly young, don't I? Yes, you, you do. do. <laughs> you really do. Um, and so, I mean, you've got this, you've got so much experience and you've come now to, I guess, how long have you been at Maryville? About seven or eight years now where you've been teaching the adult GERO program? Yes, I actually started as a half-time employee in 2013 after I finished my uh, doctoral education, but I continued to practice in um, as an NP full-time at that point. And then I transitioned over to um, taking on the role where I am now. And now you are like the program coordinator for the entire adult GERO program. So that's amazing. I'm the coordinator of the adult GERO primary care uh, nurse practitioner program. Yeah, so it's um, it is very exciting um, considering when I started my career, I never thought I would be in this position. So, yeah. So what tell us a like, little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. No, that's okay. What Joanne, Joanne, talk, Dr. Kern, talk to us about Joanne. your journey as an, oh, it's okay to call you Joanne. Okay. Sure. Um, Joanne, uh, Talk to us about your journey from being in, being in, you know, going into nursing and then your nurse practitioner, and then you got to talk about your choice for a doctoral program. You got to talk about that. Okay, so I'm not. Um, I'm I'm a little. In case you couldn't figure out, I'm a little bit older than the uh, brand new out of high school uh, students. But when I was uh, many years ago, when I just I, I've always known I wanted to be a nurse. So since I was very young, seven years old. Um, which I was very fortunate, my sister tells me, because most people don't know what they want to do in life. So um, I, my goal was to get out of school and be a nurse. So I went to the traditional diploma school, which was mm-hmm. DePaul Nursing School way back when, and um, actually was the last graduating class from that. Um, and I want, my goal was to be a nurse and take care of patients. That's all I wanted to do. I thought people who went, who had degrees were people who just knew how to teach, but didn't know anything about actually doing the nursing part of the job. Mm -hmm. So wow, has things changed. So (laughs) I I was an RN for a a long time. And then I decided to go back um, about, I guess it's about every 10 years, I decided to go back to school. So I went back and did the Maryville weekend uh, nursing program for my BSN. And Mm -hmm. because my goal was going to be in a different direction, I thought maybe I would go to pre-med because I was, you know, 28 years old about that time. But, um, and then I, it was at a point in my career where I thought, do I really want to do that? Or I I love nursing. And so um, I thought, well, I just kind of was throwing it back and forth. I did take pre-med courses. So um, it was you know, you really have to work at that. And so I um, decided that I thought I was going to either be a PA or an NP. And I knew that I really loved nursing. So I went into um, Jewish College of Allied Health back then. And I got my master's and um, my uh, nurse practitioner, adult nurse practitioner at that time, there weren't that many different Different specialties. Yeah, there weren't all the subspecialties. I worked in, you know, primary, I worked in an office setting, I worked in an acute care setting, I did kind of did it all. And so um, I loved it. I love it still. Um, And uh, so it's just, 
the knowledge that, you know, over the years that I have come to love, you know, I've always believed that you're never too old to learn. So no matter what I was doing, I was always taking courses to learn about different stuff, totally away from where I would be working so that I, I could still be a well-rounded person, mostly because as you all know, when you become nurse practitioners, you get the phone call. I have this pay. I have this uh-huh. problem. What do you right. think is going on? So I wanted to be able to help people no matter what. Yeah. So you I didn't always- want to just stay in your specialty. You wanted to be really well-rounded. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I was fortunate enough to have, um, just a really good support system as far as all the different physicians I've worked with through the years. I um, gained respect from physicians, uh, which I take very, um, uh, I think that's really important for nurse practitioners for us to be able to have respect from physicians because that way they don't feel so threatened by us. Right. I I think I have that same. Yeah. I I know when you, when you can pick up the phone and you can call a number of physicians and say, Hey, what do you think about this? And they treat you in a a, more of a collegial way makes a tremendous difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I thought that was the end of it. I thought that would be my career, you know, but I always knew in the back of my mind, I wanted to teach. I mean, you, you know, in nursing, we always teach, but I knew I wanted to get in the minds of the new um, student, nursing students and new nurse practitioner students, because I wanted to um, make sure that there were some things that I saw in practice that I thought were seriously missing. And one of those was, you know, yes, we educate patients, but I, I would be on the floor or I'd be in somebody's uh, room or listening to a physician talk to a patient and they would be just like, you know, blah, 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 with all these medical terms. And then the, you'd look at the patient's eyes and they were just like, uh-huh, they're completely uh-huh. lost and they had no idea. And so my job was always to go in and say, look, this is the way it is and talk to them in lay terms. So I saw a real need for people to um, really learn that technique. You know, so many times we just figure everybody understands everything. Yeah. And we also classify people. I think what I find, um, you know, people just assume that, you know, if you're a college graduate, that you're, you're going to understand everything or, mm-hmm. you know, and they assume that somebody who may be homeless or have um, uh, maybe not as nice a clothes or whatever, they assume they don't understand. They don't understand. And that's not the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get hit with a new diagnosis. You don't understand it. I don't care what college right. degree you have. I don't care. I mean, I can, you know, talk to, I remember talking to people who had brain tumors who were, you know, PhDs and they right. were just like, clueless, you know, obviously. So I wanted to bring that to new nurse practitioner students to really point out that you can't just say, um, so um, do you have um, any, um, you know, when they ask questions for the assessment, they'll say, uh, so are you having any vertigo? Are you having any, you know, and, you know, uh, uh, hypertension, they don't even, know. even yeah. hypertension, simple things like that. Some people yeah. don't understand those terms. Those so terms to, are. And so I wanted to really embrace the students so that they would learn that that's really important because, you know, I, one thing I absolutely, and let's see, this is, you can tell this is my passion. One thing I absolutely hate is to hear somebody say a non-compliant patient. Mm 
Me too. I hate it. I mean, um, yeah. Now, granted, we've had you know, all of us in our careers can say mm-hmm. there are patients that are really problems, but why are they non-compliant? I don't like that. I like non-adherent and I don't right. and, and non-adherent. Why? Mm-hmm. They not understand. I mean, there is a great video on health literacy about people. Right. Who, they don't take their blood pressure medicine because they're told they have hypertension. They think it's going to make them hyper. You know, they right. don't understand to bring their blood pressure down. So those are kind of things. I or maybe this is just not something in their lifestyle they really want to embrace right now. I mean, right. how many times you go to a provider and they say, well, you know, you're overweight, you need to lose so much weight. And of course, if we don't make that objective, we're non-compliant. But maybe that's not where, you know, maybe our life just isn't at that place where that's a priority for us. So I I like that approach, you know, I I, I just think that to find out why they're not doing something Mm -hmm. now, granted, you know, we, how many times we've talked to people who smoked. I mean, I used to love it when people would come in and in, in, in a neurosurgery practice, mind you, and you would say, you have to stop smoking because it's really bad on your spine and it causes degenerative process. And they would go, Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? And I'm like, what cancer, lung disease, heart disease didn't scare you, but arthritis does. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Know, so, so it's, uh, I just find that you're right. It's the time of the patient, you know, the readiness for the patient to accept information. Right. But I also believe that a lot of times they have no idea right. what they're doing and or what I, the patient's going through. Right. I mean, what, what is going on with their life? A prime example. I mean, you know, I had a knee issue and I was going to go get some stem cells and I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, I have a clue, don't have a clue what you're going to do, you know, and here <laughs> I am in the business. So they just right. assumed that I knew everything that was going on. And so you should always assume that people don't understand so that right. you all don't miss those who really don't. And getting and I, that patient's story. I um, mean, that patient, getting the patient's right. story, the why and the what's going on in their life. How do you know that that patient's not dealing with a child with cancer right. or dealing with, you know, a husband who's dying or what's going on in their life? We, you need to build that relationship enough to understand the whys behind maybe their reasons. Is it an understanding problem? Is it not the right time that they can tackle that problem? Right. Or what is it? And, and I think nurses especially do that so much better um, because we're trained in doing that from the, the first, that's what brought us into nursing. Right. And I think the thing of it is, is that what I find is that people get so into, um, and, and I, even, you know, as a, I'm sure as nurse practitioner students, you're like overwhelmed. How am I ever going to get all this information and everything? And it's a matter of when you're doing your assessment and when you're talking to the patient that you're finding this out, it's not that you're sitting there and going, one of my big, uh, you know, my pet peeve is, oh, well, this person I know has um, uh, carpal tunnel or let's say carpal tunnel syndrome. So they skip mm-hmm. over everything in the assessment, yep. you know, and then, yep. and then they yep. miss something horrible. You right. Know? Uh, I go through the so steps. They have to go through the steps, but you have to be able to talk to them. Now that doesn't mean you have to spend three hours in there. Cause I've heard some people have a hard time managing time, but it is important that, you know, not to automatically label somebody as non-compliant. I mean, if I see that, I just want to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And the partnership piece, you know, you, you have to find out where the patient's at and it's a partnership. You know, I'm really concerned. You know, that's what I always say. I'm really concerned about your 
whatever, smoking, drinking, weight, you know, are you, can we talk about this? Or, you know, where are you at? Would you, you know, do, can we talk about steps to make that better or improve that? And the, and my patients will say, no, I'm not ready. Or yeah. Okay. I'll, I mean, it's really important to assess where they're at and why they don't understand because you're, you just hit it right on the head and that partnership and that relationship and that very keen assessment is so important. Well, and I think the other thing is, is people, you know, we all have had this experience where people come in and all they want is they want a quick fix. Give me some pills and I'm out of here. And, you know, um, you know, I just, some people, and I, I've had experience in family, you know, problems where physicians have given patients, uh, somebody Xanax for long-term without Mm -hmm. having any documentation. And it was just because they just wanted it, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and those kind of things just almost put me over the edge. Because so you, I, so I, you really I, are in this and, and you're really making a difference because you're helping the students you yeah. teach every day. Well, and I love it when they say, you know, like when you do those one-on-ones or something and somebody will say, um, so how's your appetite? Oh, good. You know, and I'm like, no, you have to say, what did you eat today? You know, because what I think is a good appetite may not, you know, it's not the same thing. So it's a, the, teasing that information out. And I hope, you know, that's, that's why I went back and became, got my doctorates and became in the position I'm in now. Talk, talk about the doctorate piece. Um, Joanne has a DMP and PhD. Yeah. Talk about that process of you figuring out that you wanted to do that and, and you wanted what both. the difference is. Yeah. Talk about okay. that. So, so it was very, as I said, I go back to school every 10 years. So, and I'm a firm believer. You're never too old to go back to school. So if you put the numbers together and figure out how long I've been a nurse and how long I've been a nurse practitioner, you can tell I went back older. So. Um, I knew I wanted to go back and get a doctorate. You know, I got to a point where I knew that I wanted to not be on call every day of the week and um, have, and, and I wanted to go into the teaching end of it. Um, And, but I didn't know which way to go. And so um, I, um, it came across and it was just a unique situation where the program came up where there was a combination DMP PhD program. Oh, wow. And I thought this is perfect, you know, because um, I can do both, um, which a lot of people told me I was crazy. And I, 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 I thought it was a wonderful idea at the time, although living through it was total, uh, I won't use the word, Um, but um, the DMP helps you with the practice change. And then the PhD is where you can take that and build on that research and build the research on it. So I thought it was a good stepping stone and it was very fortunate for me to um, end up with both. Uh, So um, it's, and my DMP project was on health literacy in, in the elderly population because I love older people. In fact, my chair of uh, my PhD used to say, you and your old people, you just love them. And I just, because I think they're the forgotten generation as far as, especially when it comes to, um, you know, all the technology now. I mean, I, I when I did my um DMP project and, and my PhD project, it was before telemedicine was really big, obviously way before COVID. 
And at that time, they didn't even understand how you electronically send a prescription. So, and so they wouldn't pick up prescriptions because they didn't, they figured that, well, he told me he was going to give me a prescription, but they they never picked it up. And so um, I think now my concern um, is that with telemedicine, that there's a, we're losing that, that part of that, there's still that, um, um, technology gap there because mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure it's young people who are always on their phones and everything, but you take an 85, 90 year old who's used to wanting to hear information from their provider. And now you're saying, I'm going to call you, um, and you know, do this. It, it just kind of worries me that, that what's going on there. So well, right. telemedicine has really changed things. And it's it, for the older generation, I worry just like you that right. you know, they don't have the nonverbal cues and there's, you know, there's going to be um, the, it's going to come more on the provider to draw that information because the patient's not right in front of them. Right. right. And I, and I hope that they, the, the telemedicine that, that they continue using, I mean, it's convenient, obviously don't get me wrong. I just hope that the providers um, remember that health literacy part of it, you know, that it's really important because I've been working with a friend of ours, you know, recently who's an older person and kind of not a hundred percent, you know, mentally um, sharp, you know, I say it's when you get older and diabetic and gets insulin in the mail and had no idea how to even inject himself. So, I mean, just really kind of scary there and, you know, well, and I actually was, uh, had my mother, my 91 year old mother at the pharmacy during the COVID thing, trying to get her, her vaccine. And, um, there was a gentleman in there and I, t- I just almost, you know, he had was had to telemedicine phone call and they ordered him a, a glucometer or gluconometer or whatever. And, mm-hmm. um, he picked it up from the pharmacy and he was, I mean, he was back in there the next day because nobody told him how to use it. Oh, Right. And I was like, so, so yeah, I, I, for all you new nurse practitioners, just remember, talk to your patient. That's what I have to say. That's right. That's my, what what do you tell when you first get that class in? What do you try to tell them about what they're getting into? Well, I, I think, first of all, I think, you know, um, if what I tell uh, students is that you need to really stop and think about who you're talking to. I mean, I, I show them a health literacy video right off the bat, you know, because I want them to know where they're going through. I tell them that it's a great profession. It is an absolutely great profession, but if you're in it to make money, um, no. it, 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 you might. Yeah. I yeah mean, you I make some money for your hours. I was your hours are not your own anymore. I mean, right. you're not going to have that nine hour or 12 hour day. It can be a lot longer. Well, and I also tell them that they're moving into a role where they are now the responsible person. So it is upon themselves to, um, to continue to learn. I mean, you, you know, the guidelines are constantly changing. We can teach them what's out there now, but it could be totally different in a year, especially diabetes. Look at all the stuff that's come out. I mean, you know, when I was in school, it was insulin and And that that was about it. So um, but using your resources up to date. I mean, keeping yourself, um, going and, to conferences, all right. always continuing to learn, you know, because if, if you get stagnant, then you're going to 
hurt somebody or you're going to, you know, it's not, you're not doing yourself any favors. Right. So, and I also tell them to, you know, if they're lucky enough to find a niche, then uh, in a practice, then that can take them in different directions. So that's wonderful. Uh, Dr. Dr. Kern, what, what, um, what parting advice can you tell nurse practitioner students? I think it's a wonderful career. Um, just, you know, if you want respect, you know, you have to continue to learn, you know, from, if you want respect from providers, I should say, mm-hmm. you, uh, you know, not so much, uh, that I'm saying you need respect. It's if you want physicians and colleagues to, you know, interact with you with, in a respectful way, take the, take the on yourself to really learn what you can mm-hmm. and, and always ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Know if what you, you know, know and know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. That's right. The I think that's thing- the one thing that I loved is how collegial physicians are with each other too. They'll pick up the phone and they'll talk to each other and say, Hey, I got this patient. What would you, you know, and kind of curbside, get some curbside advice on something. And, and I think we need to remember that. And Like you said, develop our skills enough that we're not feeling um, like we don't have the right knowledge to ask the questions. Right. Yeah. I think one parting word I would say is, you know, as an RN, you know how they always say we eat our young. Um, So we, but as a nurse practitioner, I think you try to build up everybody because it's our career. It's our um, role in the healthcare profession that we want respect. So we want everyone to do a good job so that we are respected as a provider. Yes. I love that. Thank you, Dr. Kern. Thank you, Joanne. They are so, they are so lucky to have you. Yes, they um, are. (laughs) And the students love you. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes, they do. And um, we'll probably have you on again uh, to talk more about your pearls of wisdom. So uh, thank you you for joining us. And for those of you listening, um, you can uh, listen to the podcast. You can come to the uh, YouTube channel. It's npschangingpractice.com. Also, we have games and tools there to help you learn on your journey to becoming an NP. Uh, See you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you for having me.